Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood the elders. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen. Amen. Lifting their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, the Levites helped the people to understand the law, while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense, so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, And the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way, to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing before they had understood because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of the Lord and this is out of Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8. This is a moment in Israel's history that was very transitional The book of Ezra and Nehemiah are very closely linked. But Nehemiah, in Nehemiah, they had just finished building the wall. 
it was one of the few things that Israel came together to do. And it took them, um, I believe it was 52 days to build this wall. And God had provided in incredible ways so that they could accomplish this. The reason I bring up this text is because of where we're headed. We're going to start in on the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. The letter that you know as one of the books of the Bible called Romans. And traditionally what I would do um, at Encounter, the young adult community that I get to serve and care for and teach at, normally we would open up the word and we would read through the whole text. But I do understand in this day and age, and I'm reminded often, which is a question, a running question that I have that I sort of study into um, what happened to our attention spans or what happened to our attention span here in America. Because I know of countries where they, they do exactly this, where missionaries go to wherever, wherever it is and they ask that the missionaries would just teach them the Bible all day. Here in America, we can barely get an hour of people's time on maybe a Sunday morning. And maybe there are others um, in the church who are eager to hear this, who have a desire for the word of God, and they'll show up to uh, maybe a Bible study, or um, I know in some denominations or um, church cultures, there's a Wednesday night, like deeper study or another night of the week. I know at Encounter, we do this on Tuesday nights. We gather together and we read the word and we study the word and we worship together. But for the most part, we don't spend a whole day focusing in on God's word. So I understand our attention spans, and I know some of you listening, maybe it's even hard and you have to work your way through a, maybe a 30-minute podcast or even longer. And so I understand that reading the word to you might not be um, the most effective way to get through the whole book of Romans, getting sort of a overview of it. And, and when I was processing through this, okay, how do we start off Romans? Because I'd love to read through the whole thing and sort of wrestling with the attention span and how long these episodes need to be and that kind of a thing. It brought me to this text. And I was reminded of this text. And then it was confirmed because I was asked to help teach on a Sunday morning for kindergartners through third graders. And this happened to be the text. So, okay, God, you're speaking to me. This is significant. So as I've studied this, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. And I want you to go and read through the letter that Paul wrote to the Roman church, the church in Rome. Um, the Christian church in Rome uh, called Romans. I want you to read through the whole thing. 
as much as you can in one sitting. If you have to break it up, that's fine. But there are some things that are important to extract from this text in understanding the perspective in which we approach reading the Word of God. Reading the Word of God. Now, I've talked with my mentor before, who is a pastor as well. And he, he, we were talking one time and he brought up the fact that there are three different, primary different ways that he reads the Bible, reads scripture. He'll wake up in the morning and he spends devotional time, right? You've maybe heard the terminology devos, right? Devotional time. And that's primarily what I'm talking about when I talk about, hey, let's read scripture and let it usher us into the presence of God. Usher us into a time of prayer, a time of worship, a time of listening, maybe some silence and solitude within that as well. Just time dwelling in the presence of God and experiencing the rest that he brings and living our life from that place of presence, his presence, right? So he reads the Bible to usher him into that time, right? It's a devotional. And typically you would take the scripture that you read or what God spoke through that scripture and you would meditate on it all day. Now, there are also times where for him, he studies the word. I spend a lot of this kind of time too, where you read the Bible for the sake of study. You're getting into the nitty gritty, going back and reading through commentaries, reading through history books, trying to figure out what exactly is being said in, in the time that it's being said and extracting the truth of it so that you can present it, which also you have to wrestle with it yourself, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. So it still, there's some blending. There are times in the middle of study where I have to stop and sort of enter into more of that devotional time for myself because what I'm wrestling with in, in wrestling with this text to then present um, in a teaching form, uh, it hits so heavy that I have to wrestle this out with the Lord. And So know that there's some overlap in this. This isn't there. These aren't the three ways to read scripture, but this is just, again, things to consider as we read Romans today and really as we read scripture in general. Then, uh, so there's, so there's devotional reading, there's study reading for study. And then, uh, he was saying, I, there are times where I just read scripture for the sake of reading scripture. And again, there's overlap in that. If you're reading scripture, there are going to be moments where, where you are led into the presence of God and you are ushered in to a time of prayer and worship and presence, right? But I think a lot of times we go into reading the Bible with an agenda and it's important to just read scripture, just to read scripture. So those are three different ways that, uh, at least my mentor, um, and I can relate with that too, even though I, I feel like there's a lot of overlap, um, devotional reading, uh, study reading, and just reading for the sake of reading the Bible or scripture. But we see here this very intense moment, and this is a moment in Israel's history where 
it's really transitioned Israel from here in Nehemiah 8. Before this point, Israel was very focused on the temple process and the atonement of sins and the process that, that God had set up for them because they continued to mess up and they continued to sin. And so they had to atone for their sin to make themselves right. Now, this moment brings a transition of a time of learning the word and what God is saying. This is where rabbis emerged from that Israel went to the leaders, the scribes, right? The scribes, the priests, then to learn. And in, in here we see the Levites teaching the word, giving a sense of the word. And this was sort of the transitional point for Israel that they would become more learners. Not that they got more perfect, um, because by no means none of us are perfect and we all fall short of the glory of God. But the focus was more, hey, let's learn what God was actually saying rather than just putting a Band-Aid over our sin, um, which is a step in the right direction, right? That doesn't mean there was this huge um, transition in the way they they walked with God. Um, for some, maybe there were, but, but this is all pointing towards the cross and our need for Jesus. But this is a transitional point. And what what brought them to this transitional point was the reading of the word of God. And so as we read this week, first, first thing I want you to consider, um, this is at the very beginning of the uh, book of Revelation. Um, it's Jesus revealed to John, uh, his servant. And I, I've been reading this recently uh, because we're actually going through it for a devotional time uh, with the interns at my at the church I get to work at. Um, and John says something interesting here in Revelation 1, uh, just verse 3, right at the very beginning. It says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud, reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. Who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Now he's speaking specifically of this book that Jesus asked him to write. Write everything he saw down in this book. But we get this sense that reading aloud is important. So I want to challenge you as you read Romans or as you read scripture, make a practice. I sort of transitioned where I find a quiet space and I read scripture aloud um, and it helps me to process what is being said. I read scripture out loud um, and to hear, to hear. So maybe for you, uh, w- when I'm reading scripture aloud, I'm hearing myself say it right? I'm hearing myself say it. Then there are other times, especially when I'm studying for teaching, where I will listen to the scripture. We have the incredible technology of having the Bible on an app, and most of those Bible apps have an audible version of it. So you can hear somebody who has read it, right? So 
I want to challenge you, read it aloud. And if that's not enough to understand, which we'll get into that as well, because that word is repeated in the scripture in Nehemiah, read it aloud and then listen to it if you are unable to sort of hear yourself read it, if that makes sense. And then keep what is written in it to keep it. So we're going to consider these things, read aloud, hear, and to keep, which is to hold close to you, right? So we see this reading of the word. Initially, um, it's important to remember that Ezra did not organize this mass of people gathering at the water gate in Nehemiah. It says, and all the people gathered as one man in the square before the water gate. They gathered. The, it wasn't this thing that Ezra put out to everyone. Hey, we're going to have this gathering. I'm going to read the law. I'm going to read the Pentateuch. It's the first five books of the Bible um, is what he was reading. The first five books of your Bible. Okay. It's a lot of reading. He, he wasn't putting this out with a graphic and sending it out on social media or handing it out, even posters or whatever. The people gathered because there was a desire to do this. There was a desire to hear God's word. And they got Ezra and said, would you read? You are the scribe. You are the priest. Would you read the law to us? There was a desire so much so that they built a platform for him to do this. The people had a desire to hear the word. This is an amazing thing. This is incredible. It, being in ministry, a lot of times you, in, in vocational ministry, you work really hard to gather people and to get people to show up so that you can do this kind of thing. This this is a group of people. And and I heard somewhere or read somewhere that this, this possibly could have been like 30,000 people. That's a lot of people. That they just all gathered together because they wanted to hear the law. So the first thing we need to consider when we when we go to read the word is we have to have a desire for it. And I know we talk about this a lot. I, I pray on a regular basis for an increased desire for God because I know since the fall, that is not our natural ten- tendency. We have a desire for ourselves. We, that's just the way it is. We desire ourselves more than we desire other things. And the things that we desire um, are typically to benefit us. So I pray often for a desire for God and his presence and a desire for his word, a desire for his word. So first thing is to pray for a desire for God's word. You got to want to read his word to really get a lot out of it. So much so that you would build a platform for somebody to read it to you. Um, now, if that's not there, I would I would still say sit down and read God's word because that desire will grow as you see him in, in the text, as you see him revealed in the text. So he read from the morning into the midday. So this is a long process. Again, the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, and they that would take a, a while to get through, right? And he's reading the law out loud to them. Now, we see a, I didn't read through that whole list of names, but the elders are standing with him. 
just to complete this picture. And whether you want to stand or sit when you read scripture, that's totally up to you. Again, these are things to consider. But this group of people, they're standing while this is happening. So imagine Ezra up on this platform that they built for him so he could read. And then we see this line of elders. Again, I didn't read all those names because I would probably stumble over them. You can go back and read them on your own. There's this line of elders, right, standing alongside him. There's this authority before them, the people. It just seems like this very, like, wow, like uh, amazing moment where Ezra's standing, reading the law, the elders are standing with him, and then the people are receiving it, standing as well. So much that they say, amen, amen. Um, May it be done, right? Um, Yes, yes. In agreement with, with what is being read. And it says that they fell, they bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground, that this led them to a place of worship and acknowledgement of who God is, of who God is. It, it led them to a place of worship. So as we read, we are not reading, um, we are not reading for our benefit We are reading to see who God is. And as we see who God is, we then become shaped into his image as we receive and keep. Again, reading aloud, hearing, and then keeping the words that are being read. This obviously moved them in their hearts and in their minds. And the Levites were moving amongst the people, helping them to understand the law. Now that's, this is a word uh, that pops up a lot. Uh, Those who could understand. It says the men and the women and those who could understand. Um, And then it says it again, the men, the women, those who could understand. Uh, Then the Levites are moving amongst the people, helping them to understand, making sense of it for them. And they so that the people would understand the reading. So we see this word multiple times. It's very important. And a lot of times we get very hung up on the different Bible translations. And I have these conversations with young people a lot where um, uh, some of you listening, I've had these conversations um, with you of what Bible translation is best, right? And there are Bible translations that are some are word for word, um, more literal, um, and some are more idea for idea. So you take something like the NASB on one side, more, more word for word or ESV, the translation that I use primarily. And then you go all the way to the other end, which is the message, right? And people get all jacked up when, when pastors from the pulpit preach from the message. Um, but you have to understand their convictions and and they're trying to help people understand. And they should know the people who are in their congregation um, better than anybody and helping them to understand the word. Sometimes we need to um, not tweak, but sometimes it's helpful to put something in other words. That's, that's where like illustrations come from in preaching, right? 
where where you're trying to help people understand a concept, granted, you have to go back to the actual truth that is there. You have to draw back and not the danger in going to that uh, more idea for idea is you can get off track in that. You have to hold to the truth. And chances are, guys, I, I, if the pastor from the pulpit is using the message um, most likely they have read multiple translations. They have probably read something like the NAS, NASB, and I'm not saying this for sure, um, but love hopes all things and endures all things. When we hear a pastor preaching from the pulpit, from the message, you have to understand the expectation in scripture is very high for one who preaches and teaches the word. And so my assumption is that that pastor or that preacher has done their due diligence in studying that scripture, understanding the, the message that was written for the, in the time that it was written, reading multiple translations and bringing that truth. And then they read the message and they go, oh man, this encompasses that message pretty well, that truth pretty well. And that's why they're using that. Um, most pastors and most preachers that I know are just going up there willy nilly and just saying whatever they devote time and energy and focus on understanding the scripture that, that they are presenting to their congregations. So please understand that. But part of maybe a pastor using something like the message translation paraphrase, I would call it more of a paraphrase is that they're helping their congregation to understand the scripture in the best way possible. And in that, when we are reading personally the word of God, I write down questions all the time. And even if I'm just reading for the sake of reading, I write down the questions and I go back and I study those questions out and try and find answers. And I bring those questions to prayer as well. Maybe God will lead me to a text that, that, that highlights the answer to that or, or will speak something to me, but write down those questions. It's okay to have questions. Um, I go to, in a sense, Levites, um, in my life to help understand scripture a little bit better. We can't pretend we know everything. Um, and then just shove those questions down and be proud and, and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understood it all. Uh, ask the questions, seek to understand. Um, and so in that, in your Bible reading, again, there are times for study. There's times for reading just for the sake of reading. Most of the people that I know who switch between translations, it's because they understand a certain translation better. Um, it's the way they were brought up. It's the way they connect. So um, with scripture best and again, we have to do our due diligence to understand the truth that's actually being spoken. There are tons of translations and keep that in mind. But when you're reading just for the sake of reading, I would say, of course, I, I, I maybe wouldn't read a translation like the message, um, but go steer a little closer to the more literal side um, or, or word for word side. Um, and, and read 
read read the scripture that is easiest for you to read. Read the translation that is easiest for you to read and understand. It's one of the reasons why um, the King James Version is so hard for people. I find when I read the King James Version, it you sort of get into a rhythm and it feels a little bit more like poetry and you have to give some time to read into it and then you can sort of get into a flow and it can be pretty beautiful um, because it's very poetic. It's a different way of speaking English. It's old English, right? And so I like it personally, but a lot of other people, all the these and thous and all that stuff, it it's very hard for them to understand what is being spoken. And if you're reading something that you don't understand, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. Hence the reason why in Nehemiah, it continues to say those who understood, those who understood, those who understood, the Levites went and helped the people understand. Read a translation that you understand. I maybe rambled on too long about that, but read a translation that you understand. So the people had a desire, um, pray for that desire. Um, if you don't have that desire, just start reading, start reading. And trust me, your desire for the word will grow. Uh, then you got to read something that you, uh, a translation that you understand. That's very important that you understand the scripture. Um, also considering read aloud, hear, and keep. Read aloud, hear, and keep. So these people heard Ezra reading it aloud. Um, and as they brought the scripture in to, to a place of understanding, it, it invoked this response right? Initially it's worship. They bowed down their heads and they worshiped the Lord. They were in agreement with what was being said. Uh, they said, amen, amen. Lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Then we skip down to verse nine, where it says, and Nehemiah, who was the governor and Ezra and the priests and Ezra, the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. All the people wept as they heard the words of the law. This, this is an indicator that they were doing just that, that what's said in Revelation, that they were keeping the word. They were bringing the word in. And um, so... It, sort of an outline in uh, Paul when he's instructing Timothy in Second Timothy, uh, in Second Timothy, uh, chapter three, verse sixteen, for a reference, um, it says this: All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. So the people went to Ezra and they wanted to be taught the law. Right? They recognized what God had done in helping them to build this wall. It was miraculous that they got it done so fast. And so it's profitable for teaching. They, they, they desired to be taught by Ezra, right? And then Paul goes on and says, and for reproof, reproof. Now, what does that word mean? Reproof means uh, a proof. So it's a proof that brings conviction, right? 
So right now in our time, we've we've got this. Um, we've got a lot of people making a lot of different decisions, and I hear it thrown around a lot. Whatever your convictions are, right? Whatever your convictions are, you need to hold to that. But where do our convictions come from? It comes from a truth that has been presented to you, that has been kept by you, and it it creates a conviction, right? And so as we read scripture, it convicts us um, or sets sort of a standard, a moral standard in our hearts and in our minds. So that's reproof. It's a proof that leads to conviction. Then we see for correction, for correction. Now this is where the weeping comes in, right? Do not mourn or weep for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. This is a heart of rep- repentance. And a, a good way to see sort of the picture of the power of Scripture is in Hebrews 4, verse 12. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to read from 11. Uh, it says this, Hebrews 4, uh, verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Okay, so we see disobedience presented here. Um, how do you know you're being disobedient? In verse 12, it says this, the, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we see practically how does this correction play out when we read the word, when we read the word aloud, when we hear the words that are being spoken and we keep the word of God, practically applied, we see it here in Nehemiah 8, they heard Ezra read the word aloud they received it. They kept it. It, it um, invoked this reaction of worship, but also this reaction of weeping and mourning. Why? Because they weren't living the way God created them to live. They weren't living in the image of God. They're hearing the whole story from Genesis uh, all, the, all the way up to, so the, the books of the Pentateuch, Pentateuch are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? So the first five books. So from the creation of the world all the way up to the law, right? And really the establishment of of Israel um, as God's people. So there's tons of, there's creation all the way to God's provision all through there that God continues to show up and continues to give Israel purpose and a plan. And they're, they're realizing as they plunge this sword that we see in Hebrews 4, 12, right? That it, the word is sharper than any double-edged sword. That sword is going in as they keep it and it's discerning between their thoughts, and their intentions is discerning what's going on in their hearts and in their minds. 
It's dividing rightly what's going on internally in them, and it's causing them to weep and to mourn because they see that they are not living in a way that they were created to live. They're receiving this truth from the word, and it's cutting right through them. And they feel naked, and they feel exposed. But the beautiful thing about Scripture is the Bible isn't a message to lead us to a place where we are just downtrodden, right? Where we're just mopey and sad because we've fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible is a story about who God is. And God, despite us, despite our reason for weeping as we drive that sword or keep that sword that is the word close to us, and it discerns what's going on internally. We even see in the in the Old Testament, the Levites and Nehemiah, the governor, and Ezra going, this is something to celebrate. That God loves us enough to, yes, to, yes, present this sword that then we keep in us, right? <laughs> this sounds kind of, kind of brutal, but we keep this truth that discerns in us, that brings correction or a rebuke, right? But it's also for for training and teaching. Um, it's for teaching and reproof to give us a proof and give us conviction for correction. And the next line in, in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 is for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, training in righteousness. Now this points to what? It points to the cross, Training in righteousness, training in righteousness. As we read the word, um, back, back in Nehemiah, they were reading the law of God. And it's this beautiful story of how God has been caring for Israel. But we have more of the story even now. And as you read Romans, um, as we enter into this season of digging into Romans, Romans is really a presentation of the gospel, a very in-depth presentation of the gospel and how that gospel, how the good news of who Jesus is and God's great love for us through the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus, God, the father who wills it all, God, the son carried out the will of the father, the love of the father and has placed his delight, the Holy Spirit in us that as Jesus came as in, in, in John 1, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then we talked about this here on the podcast that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and gave us a way to follow him. That it doesn't just end in mourning. I think that place of weeping and mourning and, and keeping the truth of who God is and how it discerns, that's a part of the process. That's where repentance comes from, and that is key. We have to be repentant when it comes to sin. We can't just keep sinning. We should come to a place where we're mourning and weeping. But the message of who God is is something to celebrate. It's something to celebrate. 
So we see here in 2 Timothy, as he lays out really this, this outline for why we read scripture, right? Teaching, profitable for teaching. And that teaching is to teach us who God is for reproof. Who God is, is a proof of our convictions and the way that we live and why we live the way that we live. For correction, when we get off track, we look at who God is and it guides us back into living as his image bearers, right? We are made in the image of God, as spoken from Genesis. And for training in righteousness, as we look at who Jesus is, as we look at who God is and how he has connected with humanity through history, we are trained in righteousness. We are trained in right living, living in his image. And (laughs) this text in Nehemiah, it ends in a place of celebration. Guys, we weren't made... To, to just be mopey and, and, and not to party. We're supposed to party. <laughs> um, hopefully this isn't taken the wrong way. It says, go your way and eat the fat and drink the sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day. Bring other people into the party who, who, can't, who, who don't have the things that they need to celebrate who God is, who he created us to be, the things he's accomplished in our lives, that we get to be his vessels. We get to bear his image and that's something to celebrate. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. We are to celebrate and that that's ultimately what reading scripture um, should should bring us to a place of yes into the presence of God that that we would be brought to a place where we worship him and acknowledge all that God is but he created us to celebrate to be joyful joy and peace and patience and kindness these are things that mark us when the Holy Spirit comes in and does does work that, that we should be some of the most joyful people. We should be the most joyful people in the whole world. We should know how to celebrate and how to party better than anybody else in the world in a healthy way. Okay, let's recap. So again, you have homework. You have homework to go and read Romans. Read the letter that Paul wrote to the the church in Rome. It's, it's long. Get through it reading a translation that you understand. Remember, it's for teaching. It's for reproof, giving you a proof of your convictions. It's for correction. And it's for training in righteousness. Read it aloud. Hear what is being spoken. And would you keep the words? Would you keep the words close to you? Let's read the word of God. And let's hope and pray that the power of God's word would change and transform us. And as we read Romans, it sets the stage that we would know what the letter is about, what it says from beginning to end. And as we dig a little deeper into the mechanics of what 
what is being said and what those things imply for our lives and about the message of who God is and, and leads us into a place of worship and celebration. Um, let's really value this time that we get to read, just read it from start to finish. And I know, um, maybe some of you are going, man, I'm so busy. Um, well, we always have time for our, our Netflix TV shows, um, and video games and things that we waste time on. Let's set aside some time. Let's read Romans aloud. Let's hear it. Let's keep it. And I'm here to promise you that it'll do something inside of you that leads you closer and closer to the plan and the purpose that God created you for that you would carry his image of love. It's a powerful book. So let's read together this week. Hey, I love you guys. I pray that this was a blessing to you. And we'll talk again next week. See you then. Looking forward to it.